0: Hey everyone, Uh, Rocky and Ruth here, we're uh, stepping a little outside the box because we have this old episode that we found, Mm -hmm. our 2001 Pulpy Movie Awards. Yeah, it's pretty
1: exciting, they were lost for so long.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it was something just you know when we were migrating to like a podcast mm-hmm. with a with a feed that people could actually listen to. I yeah. think that I think we lost a lot of a lot of our older episodes in that in that span. So mm-hmm. uh, here it is in all its glory: our, our 2001 Puppy Movie Awards. I disagree. good game but i think donkey kong is the best game ever welcome back to pulp friction it's a show about what divides us my name is rocky and ruth's name is ruth and uh we're talking about the year in film once again it's the 2001 pulpy movie awards
1: yep i'm very excited
0: yeah this has been uh this has been an interesting year
1: <laughs> yeah to say the least
0: uh lots going on in film for sure And there was that other thing that happened. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My only hope is that some really good emo music might come out of all this. Yeah, yeah, I I would hope so, too. But, but, but you know, there could be something really interesting there, I think, with... um, Because, obviously, there were movies that delayed their release Mm -hmm. because of September... What day was it? Was it the 6th? It wasn't the 21st. I remember that day. Yeah, yeah. I think I would... Hmm. Let's just say let, let's just split the difference and say like the 12th. Yep, 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 yep. yep. So, you know, September 12th happened and mm-hmm. all these movies some movies got delayed right after. There are interesting things with like what movies really popular after. I think if you look at this year's Oscars, it, it's interesting the sort of like sappy melodramatics. I mean, it's the Oscars, so yeah. there's always a lot of that. But yeah. but I think it's interesting like what kind of stuff they're gravitating towards right now. Yeah yeah so, so yeah um we have i i have uh 21 categories to uh to go through here actually maybe 20 okay um yeah let's make that 20 Let, let's get right into it and we're gonna talk about all these great movies yeah
1: yeah i'm just excited for uh one movie that's been delayed is arnold's new movie collateral damage so i haven't seen that mm. yet really hope it's good
0: mm. Yeah, I should say that up top too. Um, the, as always, the window that we're talking about here is U.S. non-festival run. Mm-hmm. Cause that's when, you know, the Oscars can, can nominate things whenever, but we're, we're just, we're just two kind of ageless podcasters and mm-hmm. we get, we can only see things when they come out in theater. So there's some things that came out this year internationally. Um, I'm very excited for Hayao Miyazaki's new movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Shell and Soccer from Stephen Chow. There's a couple of, of those movies that just haven't made it here yet. Yeah. And we'll definitely talk about them when they will. And there are movies uh, that didn't make it here until this year that we'll talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to kick things off with a bit of a purge. The Worst Picture category. Mm-hmm. My five nominees are A Beautiful Mind... Which, uh... (laughs) Did did that win the Oscar for Best Picture this year in 2002? Let me, uh... No, it didn't. Take a quick look. I don't think it won. It won Best Picture. It did? It won... (laughs) It won Best Picture, baby!
1: (laughs) I'm fully... Okay, well, I was fully looking at the wrong Wikipedia page, because I was like, no, it was Gladiator. No, okay. Wow.
0: No, wrong year. Wrong year. So... A Beautiful Mind, Corky <laughs> Romano, yep. The Majestic, Planet of the Apes, and What's the Worst That Could Happen.
1: All solid choices. I think I've only seen A Beautiful Mind out of those, to BH.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, A Beautiful Mind, and, okay, so this is actually not, not what I thought it was, but I think there are some movies like A Beautiful Mind and Monster's Ball, and, and In the Bedroom, a little bit. Um, I, I like to see more from Todd Field, but I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, I don't know, maybe it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, but a lot of these very, very dramatic, very, uh, and, and I think A Beautiful Mind really just exemplifies this, like, so overblown, so, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, maudlin, it's, it's, uh, it, it's not my cup of tea, that's for sure.
1: No, no, and I actually watched it in class, in my economics class. That's when I watched A Beautiful mm. Mind, which is a very strange place to watch that movie. So the entire experience is clouded by this sort of miasma of why is this happening?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. In terms of the other nominees, Corky Romano, I like Chris Kattan. We might get back into Chris Kattan later, not to uh, uh-huh. not, not to uh, spoil too much. But Corky Romano is just... And it's the same with What's the Worst That Could Happen, honestly. Just these comedies where you've got a good cast with What's the Worst That Could Happen. You have Martin Lawrence and Danny DeVito and... They're just so not funny. And so nothing. Yes. <laughs> that you're just sort of, You get like half an hour into it and you're like, when does this start? <laughs> yeah.
1: The movies for the first act never begins.
0: Yeah. And there were uh, a lot of comedies this year that I think were... Um, that general audiences and critics didn't respond to that I thought were actually quite good and we'll get into those later. Yeah. Uh Corky Romano is is very much the opposite end of that spectrum. And you know, this year we also had Zoolander, which is is that same kind of like, you know, the com- the sketch comedy guy having like the starring vehicle and it's like, you know, this kooky character that he plays in this sort of serious world around him. And um you know, Chris Catan should be able to pull that off. I yeah. like 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 Ben Stiller pulls it off great, but I'm like it's a head scratcher why either of these movies is as bad as they are. Planet yeah. of the Apes, Tim Burton, what are you doing? Marky Mark, what are you doing? Marky Mark, uh even fucking Danny Elfman. I mean, just like this this is another movie where it's like the pieces are all there and it's so disappointing and there's so nothing to it. <laughs> And you know Tim Burton hasn't really let us down before. Yeah, uh, nothing but hits. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of hoping he bounces back. Yeah, Uh yeah,
1: We'll see what his next project is.
0: And yeah, yeah. It hasn't just like totally sold out for the rest of his career. Um, <laughs> but Planet of the Apes, yeah, not a good one. I, I am gonna give this award to The Majestic. Frank Darabont, uh, his follow-up to—I uh, need to fact-check myself here, because uh, cause I remember, like you know, people always talk about the Shawshank Redemption, and I'm like, w- what else does that guy got? And and he does, um, he does the Green Mile, which which is which is a, a hit. I, I haven't Another actually Stephen seen King it. Another
1: Stephen King adaptation,
0: interesting. True, but then he does the Majestic, in which uh, Jim Carrey plays a screenwriter who is being accused of being a communist and then he like bumps his head and wakes up with amnesia in like this small town in middle america that's been sort of you know all their other all young boys have been lost to the war um yeah this one out, out of all these movies i don't like any of them but this was the one that provoked the most kind of disgusted reaction for me <laughs> yeah you know, I love the Truman Show. I I think um, Jim Carrey could have a great career ahead of him still, but uh, the Majestic is really bad. <laughs> it's like when when it's doing the blacklist stuff. It's like that's interesting, and that's something that Hollywood is sort of weirdly hesitant to talk about sometimes. But then, yeah. like, as soon as it gets into this this small town, it's like suddenly we're in a propaganda film, and it's like, <laughs> what happened? It's it's absurd.
1: Yeah, the the big thing for me in the Majestic is simply that Bruce Campbell has a cameo in it. Like that's how yeah, he I remember does. the film ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, he has a good little bit in it. I like when he yeah. cameos and stuff. And Bob Balaban is in it. He's one of the one of the it girls of of, of 2001. I feel like because yes. he's in Gosford Park and he's in um, some other things too. Yeah, that's worst picture. Do you have any uh, baddies you want to shout out before we move on?
1: Oh yeah,
0: there's. This little
1: movie, according to Letterboxd, it came out this year, but I'm not 100% certain. It was certainly made around this time, called mm. either Hotel Laguna or Vendetta. Depends on where you're looking. It stars Interesting. this young up and comer who's done almost nothing before called Henry Cavill. And it is mm. truly so upsetting, I didn't finish it. <laughs> it is a terrible film. Wow. But Henry, this Henry Cavill's really... He's got some energy. I hope that once his voice drops, he does some great things.
0: Sure, you're hoping for more from him. Yeah, I'm
1: intrigued to see where he goes. This this little British actor man.
0: Totally. Um, well, well, kept myself lucky that I haven't seen that one.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. The other one that I watched that's from this year that I have sort of mixed feelings on is the Jean-Claude Van Damme film The Order. Mm-hmm. Um, which is okay like jean claude does some wild things and like this is one where it's like so bizarre that almost like the bizarreness carries the rest of the movie but the rest of the movie like isn't good enough for me to want to enjoy the bizarre Mm -hmm. like and the worst part was that there was one bit where jean claude could have spin kicked a sword through a dude and they didn't do it so wow two stars they
0: had the they had the chance and they didn't do it
1: yeah it's like in sudden death when like he could have spun kick with ice skates on and like slice somebody open and he doesn't what's the point of putting jean-claude in skates if he's not gonna slice somebody open (laughs) (laughs) yeah so those are the two movies that were pretty bad
0: um, I think the other one I wanted to say was Monsters Ball, which I've already shouted out. Uh, great Halle Berry performance, great Billy Bob Thornton performance, but pretty much a stinker, in my opinion. Yeah. Best Horror. Th- this was uh, sort of a last-minute addition, because there was... I didn't think I had enough movies to put on it, and then I realized that yeah. I missed a movie, um, Ginger Snaps, which I which yes. I saw just just today, and now I had five. So my five nominees are Bones... Mm-hmm. A great sort of um, 70s Italian style like silly horror movie from the great Ernest Dickerson uh, mm-hmm. with Snoop Dogg in the title role. Uh, that's a really fun one.
1: Love it. I love whenever Snoop Dogg comes out to play.
0: Yeah. He's another another MVP this year. He's yeah. in B- Baby Boy and, and all kinds of things. Um, Devil's Backbone, Guillermo Del Toro you know good good little thing a nice little fantasy horror kind of it has a good vibe to it the aforementioned ginger snaps yes, uh which is which is a really a really well made just like really good just great vibes on that one.
1: Oh yeah another classic of the trans horror canon
0: true so true yep yeah i mean like there's there's so much there
1: <laughs> there's a lot to unpack in ginger snaps
0: Totally. And I think this is, it, this might be the only thing. No, I nominate again later, but, but we'll talk about it. Mulholland Drive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't, I don't know what, if there's anything else to say about it besides, yeah, David Lynch never stops.
0: The famous thing about Mulholland Drive is that there's not much to say about it. Um, yeah. 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 I feel like I'm not, it, it's not one of my favorite Lynch movies, honestly, mm. but it's, it's got that Lynch, it's got that spark. Yeah. the magic. Nobody can.
1: Even when people try and replicate David Lynch, it, like, proves how unreplicatable he is. You know? exactly. exactly. It's kind of like. It's like when you're at an art museum and whoever's like, oh, I could paint that. It's like,
0: mm-hmm. You couldn't, though.
1: It wouldn't be the same. Not You can't do a Mark Rothko unless you're him.
0: Totally. And, um, The Others is my fifth one. Uh, Nicole Kidman, great little, uh,. I think that's another one I nominated for something else, but it's, uh, you know, ghost story with a nice twist, and then another twist. It's like the first twist happens, and you're like, okay, I kind of saw that coming, and then you're like, wait, there's an hour left in this movie? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: It was great. That classic Seven thing, where, you know, you you he, he, like, reveals himself to be the killer, and then you're like, what what could happen in the next <laughs> 40 minutes of Seven? Yeah.
1: You're, like, checking your watch, going like, damn, okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah, pretty good category here. I do think I'm going to give it to Bones. Mm-hmm. Um I think some of these... I, I think this movie uh does have a lot going on thematically. Uh Maybe not the most out of this list, but it is also just, like, really fun and stylish and has a great soundtrack. And, yeah, like, ties in these exploitation elements in a really fun way. And Snoop is so, like... Chill, like it's yeah. sort of fun because he is like the you know the like Freddy Krueger of this thing, and yet he's not a menace really. Like, he, like, like he's still someone you kind of want to like. Yeah, I
1: I don't know that it would be possible to create a movie with Snoop Dogg in it where I wouldn't like him. You know? Yeah, yeah. He has that power.
0: Uh, yeah. Not too many other horror movies this year. I don't know no. if you have any you want to shout out.
1: We, I think. We should at least give a shout out to John Carpenter's *Ghosts of Mars*. *Ghosts of Mars*, movie yes, that happened. Did did it? Was it released this year?
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah, I.
1: You know, you can't go wrong with Ice Cube and Jason Statham on Mars and with John Carpenter.
0: It's true that that movie has a great kind of ensemble to it, and Carpenter's score was really good. That was yeah. uh, something that came pretty close. enough. I mean, as always. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's, always, he's also the kind of guy who will just, like, make, like, four notes and just play them over and over. <laughs> yeah. And then it'll slap.
1: And you'll be like, damn, bro. Nice four-note shit. It chance. will.
0: <laughs> so true. So true. Um, but, yeah, Ghost of Mars is an interesting one. Yeah. I did also watch um, Scary Movie 2, which is uh, really not good. <laughs> but it does yeah. have um, it does have Tim Curry doing some fun stuff.
1: I will, you know, we'll see if they keep making them. Um, Maybe they'll get better.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this one was kind of rushed. I'm sure with the third one, they'll really take their time and make sure it's like a real solid piece of work. I can see this being a franchise that lasts for decades. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be new scary movies. It's not like they're going to run out of horror movies and start parodying, like, whatever new movie is out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 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 That'd be ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Best Romantic Comedy is the next category. Okay. This is, this is where things get a little juicy. There were a lot of rom coms this year. There,
1: uh, that. Mm, it's like one of my favorite eras of rom coms. Is this like yeah. late 90s movement? Mm, I love it.
0: Yeah. I think there was a, a really broad spectrum. Uh, Shallow Hell is another one that came very close to being on my worst list. Yeah. Uh, it's so offensive, but <laughs> there is like there's a certain level at which you can tell that it's trying to be supportive (laughs) yeah so i i think that was sort of the the and also look jack black we need him in a thousand more rom-coms like 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 he's he's got the juice
1: yeah he's got the juice Mm
0: -hmm.
1: no sorry i was just literally trying to figure out how many like how many jack black rom-coms have we gotten at this point
0: uh just the not one, enough. I think. Yeah. I think just the one. It'll be a couple it
1: we'll, we'll wait a couple of years and maybe there'll be some real stellar gems.
0: Yeah, but still only like one or two. Yeah, not <laughs> enough. Not enough. Yeah. My best romantic comedy nominees are Bridget Jones's Diary. Yes. you Get Over It. That was that was one I didn't expect to put on there. That's uh yeah ben foster kirsten dunst you know a real a real cast of young talent happy accidents marissa May, vincent d'onofrio mm-hmm. great stuff uh heartbreakers really fun movie sigourney weaver and jennifer love hewitt our uh, mother-daughter con artist duo <laughs>
1: you can't top that
0: really great uh and kate and leopold is my fifth one.
1: Oh yeah that hugh jackman
0: yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> and you can't... Like, Meg Ryan is uh, a, a queen of the genre for a reason.
0: Yeah, it's wild that she's been doing it for, like, 15 years, and she's still so, like... She could just slot in with, with you know, a new young star like Hugh Jackman, and it just totally yeah. works.
1: Yeah. There's some people that are just... I don't know, they make it work.
0: Yeah, Kate and Leopold is, um really it kind of took me by surprise because it's not like i mean it's not a super well-reviewed movie and um i didn't really know what to expect from it It, it's really charming it's got a lot to to love about it and i like the way that the time travel is integrated it's interesting because kate and leopold is and 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 happy accidents are both sort of riffs on that same idea of like you know the the male love interest is like someone out of time
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um like Austin Powers. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> <laughs> like Kate and Leopold, it's like he's from the past and he's from this very specific time in history and they are sort of like taking a pass on the gender and, and political dynamics of of the time that Leopold comes from. He's yeah. just sort of there and he's like sweet and he's, you know, the, per- the perfect guy. Hmm. Um, with Happy Accidents, I like how it's the, the guy is from the far future and uh, it's done you know it's a more low, low budget indie kind of thing but the way that he like talks about it is like we don't wear clothes anymore we don't go on dates anymore <laughs> it's just I, I like that idea of just someone from so far off in the future that like they, they barely recognize our culture yeah it reminds me of
1: Demolition Man when um mm-hmm. Stallone is like really putting the moves on Sandra Bullock. There we go. Sandra Bullock is like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> we don't do that anymore. <laughs> we just wear these yeah. VR headsets. <laughs> exactly. We don't there is no physical contact. And Stallone's like, This is stupid
0: <laughs> I, I think of the thing with the, the three seashells because that is um there there's a certain like um Talmudic kind of rule about using the bathroom that I don't know if the three shells thing is actually based on it, but it, there's like a lot of overlap there, so it came up with me and my dad a lot, and I think it's really funny. <laughs> like, they're like, this guy doesn't know how to use the three shell. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. There, another of my favorite examples of that sort of trope is Lost in Austin, where a young woman finds a portal to Pride and Prejudice in her bathroom, and so she mm. swashes, switches places with Elizabeth Bennet, and in like it, it's just this very fun clash of her being like, "Oh, I make this much money," and everyone being like, "You're a billionaire," and she's like, "No, I work in a shop," <laughs> and like she's like, "How do I brush teeth?" and they just have like twigs and chalk. And they're like, Here, yeah, okay. get ready for bed.
0: That's great. I love that. So yeah, all five of these are movies that I might not have that, that I might not have checked out of my own volition. Mm-hmm. i like rom-coms but the idea of like you know anything other than the totemic like when harry met sally moonstruck those like pinnacle rom-coms the, the idea of like diving deeper into that genre has just like never really occurred to me because i have you know seen some that are pretty bad but <laughs> I, I, lo- I liked all of these i loved all of these um so it, it's not an easy choice Uh, but I'm gonna give it to Bridget Jones's Diary. Same. That's what I was
1: literally thinking. I'm like, as much as I love other rom-coms, Bridget Jones holds this special place in my heart.
0: It is, it's way up there. And it's, it's so good. (laughs) Like, I, I, I feel like I, I like caught onto it pretty quickly and then I was like, oh, this is great. But I, I kept just being kind of, it's, it's just so pitch perfect. And I, I, like every couple minutes I was like, oh wow, this is really good.
1: I don't know. I feel like it's one where I went into it expecting more of a I was expecting it to be more like, I don't know, other rom-coms, I guess. More of a like Notting Hill or something. And especially with the cast. Like you cast Mr. Darcy and it's like, okay, I have an image of what this rom-com is going to be like. But then mm-hmm. it isn't. Like it's so like messy and funny and kind of gross, but like yeah. Like it it goes places that I would never expect out of out of a rom-com made, like, of this type and of this era, I guess. And I think maybe, like, they use that to their advantage. They're like, oh, you think this is gonna be four weddings and a funeral or Notting Hill or something? And, like, it's still gonna be fun and have these light moments, but we're also gonna have, like, she's gonna be wearing a, like, a Playboy Bunny outfit at this weird dinner party. Like, it's gonna, we're gonna, like, push it to these weirder places. (laughs) She falls on a camera. Her ass goes famous.
0: (laughs) God, Yeah. (laughs) It takes place in its own world, which all rom-coms do, but I like that yeah. this kind of embraces it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, she's just like, I'm gonna go work on television, and then she does. Yeah. It, it's both, it feels unreal, but it feels realer. I don't know, it, like, plays with the surrealism of rom-coms in a way that's so smart.
0: Absolutely. And, and like, her British accent is insane. <laughs> yes. It's, like, famously a thing that British people can do American accents and American people can't do British accents. And, like, I I feel like Renee Zellweger is just... I I might never have heard an actor in a movie, like, do a British accent that naturally.
1: Yeah. Not to keep harking on how good this movie is. But, like, talk about a climactic fight sequence that is, like, genuinely, like, one of the greatest. (laughs) And it's just out of this rom-com. I love
0: it. Yeah yeah and of course like the two of them like like just seeing the two of them up against each other is <laughs> is so great and it's Hugh Grant playing I wouldn't say against
1: type necessarily but like it's Hugh Grant living in a very familiar space but playing a role we don't see him in in that space very often
2: mm-hmm. which is sort of
1: like refreshing mm-hmm. and fun and like ooh a little something else
0: a little spice yeah, yeah. so that is uh, the best rom-com of the year Next, we have production design, which which was a chance to just nominate the the movies that I think were the most inventive and all that. My nominees are Bill Bose for Monkey Bone, Aline Bonetto for Amelie, mm-hmm. Grant Major for Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring, mm-hmm. David Wasco for The Royal Tenenbaums, and Carrie White for Spy Kids. Yes,
1: <laughs> God, Spy Kids pops off. I hope in a couple yeah. of years they make a three D
0: one. Yeah, and then they can make <laughs> one where ass. like you can Yeah, and then they can make one where like you can spell the movie too. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, my kids rules. Um all, all, all these movies are just like so bright and visually kind of inventive and have all these all these cool things going on. I feel like Monkey Bone, you know, seeing Henry Selig, I mean, obviously he works in stop motion, so we know that he can do this. But seeing him working in live action and bringing these same like visions to life in these in these in these really fun ways um, is so great. Yeah, Lord of the Rings, just iconic. Just you know, need,
1: need we say more?
0: Yeah, they they did Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, the work that John Howe did... John Howe and...
1: I almost said Alan Grant, but that's the man from Jurassic Park. Um, mm-hmm. We had another Jurassic Park this year, which was uh, something. Actually, Didn't that, that was a terrible movie. Sure. I did, not, <laughs> I did not like... Jurassic Park 3 is up there for bad movies. Um, totally, totally. But, like, the concept art and the work... Because it's, like, so many years of production have gone into making this movie and this trilogy and you can see it like you can feel the artistry that's gone into every single piece of the production
0: yeah it just feels fully realized there's like nothing yeah. to nothing to critique about it yeah royal tendon bombs and amelie are obviously doing similar things they're doing these like um candy colored like dollhouse versions of of major cities mm. um and and i think wes anderson and royal of bombs does like a, a more a heightened version of that although Amelia is obviously very heightened um yeah. so it's, it's it's sort of you know <laughs> you're putting two queens against each other in yeah in terms yeah yeah, of yeah quirkiness so yeah great category and there are some other great ones this year um harry potter and the sorcerer's stone had great production design mm-hmm. um and, and nothing can go wrong there's uh, a lot of animated movies like Atlantis, the lost empire had the, oh, yeah. that Mike Mignola production design. um Jimmy Neutron had great production design. There there's uh, a lot to be put out here, but I got it down to these five and um just out of how much I like, well, I, I feel like it's between spy kids and monkey bone for me because those are both like really similar in terms of like the, that like, you know kid dreamlike kind of thing that they have going on and it's like which one which one do i want to go for i think i'm going to say monkey bone uh just because you know henry Selick is such a visual master and you know yeah. spy kids is a, is, a, is a great great film and you know should be revisited by people who uh, haven't seen it in a while but yeah. um you know they're they're pretty neck and neck but i give it to monkey bone
1: yeah i do feel like giving a shout out to a french film I can't... I don't know if it's hit the States yet, but uh, The Lady and the Duke came out in 2001 Mm. and is almost entirely green screen. Like, there's, like, sets, but the sets are all, like, blank walls that have been painted to look like a painting, and then everything that's outside is just the green screen of the actors onto paintings. And it's not a great Mm. movie. It's incredibly boring, but the production of it is fascinating. And... I feel like it plays with the possibilities of green screen and CGI in a way that not a lot of other movies have yet. Like Mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings, they're doing some incredible stuff with like integrating miniatures and like working with it, but they're like working with like physical scale more at this point. Whereas the lady and the Duke is like, what if there wasn't a set and we just put some horses and a lady in a huge warehouse of green screen. And I think that's fascinating. I think that's really interesting. Actually, there's a lot that can happen with that. Like there was a lot of like playing with sort of these very kinetic visuals, like spy, spy kids Two, um, or spy, spy kids. Also mm-hmm. spy kids two will probably be amazing.
2: Um,
1: yeah. and, uh, we haven't talked about driven yet, which is a movie that came out this year that I love.
0: We haven't talked about driven. Driven does have some very fun production design.
1: <laughs> yes. It, It not afraid to get cartoony within Mm. a realistic world which is something that i just love when people do that because it's one thing when it's like okay we're doing jurassic park we're just gonna make it real and make it look as real as we can that's cool but i love when almost like more in like t2 or the abyss or something where it's like we can do something that we couldn't do realistically and we're gonna sort of mess with it a little like i don't know driven's the example that does it the best i think of at this point in time anyway
0: yeah i think this category and uh score were the ones where i was thinking about driven i didn't end up nominating it for anything yeah um but yeah it's a very kinetic movie uh if you like watching um the subway surfers videos on the side of your (laughs) TikToks, like that that's a that's a movie you could get into
1: it's a it's a proto speed racer if you will
0: Okay, a step towards
1: Speed Racer. A step towards Spy Kids 3D, if we ever get that. And not just yes. because Stallone is in it. I do... I also... I don't know. I think it's fun that, like, Stallone's still out here trying new things with his career. Because, like, Arnold's new movie that has gotten pushed back to next year looks pretty run-of-the-mill. And I don't... Sure. I think if I could see the future, I'd bet it's probably a really bad movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, But Driven, like, it's like Stallone's like, I don't care, I'll throw my hat in with whatever this is.
0: There was, I I think in the 80s and 90s, it became a real, like, Stallone and Schwarzenegger are, like, the two action hero guys that you, like, slot into these things. But initially, Stallone was, like, a really serious actor and writer. Oh, yeah. and, 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 And Schwarzenegger, I'm not saying he doesn't have serious roles, but... He 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 definitely didn't come out the gate with that with that idea. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: he was hired for his body before his talent, you know. And then it was only like later that people realized he could do other things besides just be muscular.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think it makes sense to me that that Stallone I guess at some point in the last uh, couple years has been like I, I I need to challenge myself. I need to like fly out and do, and do these different kinds of things.
1: Yeah, especially because he didn't hit comedies as well as Arnold did. Like, "Stopper," my mom will shoot is is no junior. You know, it's yeah, it's never. no uh, kindergarten cop. Even though, sorry, I literally there's a movie called Oscar. I probably have recommended it to you before, mm-hmm. starring Sylvester Stallone, and it is a. I believe it's adapted from a play. I might be making that up, but it is like a screwball comedy starring Sylvester Stallone as the head of this mobster family. And his daughter, who I want to say is played by Marissa Tomei, is trying to get married to some guy that her dad, Sylvester Stallone, does not approve of. And there's all of these wacky hijinks. And it is one of the movies that I'm the most angry flopped because it is genuinely brilliant and has genuinely fantastic production design. The entire thing is just like this huge set not to pop off, but Stallone's comedies should have gone places, they just didn't.
0: Yeah, and I feel like he's, he's a naturally funny guy. He's not yeah. the cartoon character on the level that Schwarzenegger is, but he is like, yeah. he's funny in everything.
1: Yeah, I feel like him and Dolph Lundgren are not credited enough for their natural humor.
0: Absolutely. Best Cinematography Roger Deakins, The Man Who Wasn't There Bruno Delbanel, Amelie Janusz Kaminski, AI, Christopher Doyle, and Mark Lee Ping Bing in the Mood for Love, Emmanuel Lebeski, Ali. Mm-hmm. Heavy hitters here. We're getting yeah, into well, like a, we're we're getting into some of the big boys. Um, yeah. The, the man who wasn't there just just uh, you know the Coens always have like great cinematography in their movies, but this one with like the the really sharp kind of crisp detail with the like black and white film noir sh- like light and shadow stuff it was really uh you know it's roger deacon's so of course it's gonna be great
1: yeah yeah
0: amelie we've already talked about visually just the just the bright colors that dollhouse kind of effect has a style that's totally its own yeah ai uh definitely a huge one for me uh gorgeous imagery this this sort of uh dreamlike that's got like the vaseline schmear over it kind of yeah in the mood for love gorgeous gorgeous movie just one of the one of, one of the prettiest movies and uh wonka Y is so good at making these these movies can be like lava lamps which might be downplaying yeah. them but that's how they are for me definitely they're just like you can just sort of have them on in the background and they'll keep you entertained yeah Ali, another great looking movie really you know that like almost documentary style just suits that movie so well the color grading is nice it's that that's a really good one too it's interesting you know now i'm i'm sort of having more thoughts on i guess i'm gonna give this to in the mood for love because again that's just one of the yeah. prettiest movies of all time all, all of these are great though that was a tough one
1: roger deakins is, gets enough love he's One of the best at what he does. We all know and adore this. Yeah. It's time to spread the love around a little. Absolutely. I also... I think Lord of the Rings, visually, just, like, the cinematography blows my mind, especially because they are working across so many visual effects mediums and are, like, Mm -hmm. using so much forced perspective to, like, make the Hobbits look really small and stuff that the fact they were able to, like, pull all of that technical stuff off and still have it look this gorgeous kind of mind-boggling to me
0: yeah i am the camera is very well utilized in a way that feels so organic and it it sticks out even though again as you were saying there are all these vfx shots and there are all these like different things that need to be done to achieve the the effect of a camera yeah best original song Mm. my five nominees are three small words by josie and the pussycats from josie and the pussycats Area Codes by Ludacris and Nate Dogg from Rush Hour 2. Nice. Backdoor Lover by DuJour from Josie and the Pussycats. Jimmy Neutron Theme by Bowling for Soup from Jimmy Neutron. And Just Another Girl by Monica from Down to Earth.
1: All excellent. That big shout out to Bowling for Soup. Yeah. One of the the best when it comes to writing. Theme tunes... To children's TV shows that will be that will pop off at festivals in like twenty years.
0: It's true. It's true, and um, it's interesting because you got Bowling for Soup, and then you have uh, Adam Schlesinger writing songs for Josie and the Pussycat. So you've got Fountains of Wayne in there too, and yeah. I feel like those are. Those are bands that are sort of in the same headspace for me because they 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 have like just some impeccable pop sort of song craft to them. I feel like I feel like there's more craftsmanship behind uh, Fountains of Wayne, but um, yeah. Bowling for Soup like has has songs like that that just feel feel so classic.
1: Yeah, I have to give a huge shout out to one of my favorite original songs of the year, "Higher and Higher." by Craig Wedren and Theodore Shapiro from Wet Hot American Summer.
2: Mm. Even
1: one of my favorite training montages. This is a song I legitimately listen to often. <laughs> and, like, the Wet Hot American <laughs> Summer soundtrack kicks ass. Mm-hmm. Like, the way that Jane by Jefferson Starship can, like, never be disassociated from this movie, because it's, like, so iconic, the way that it's used to, like, open. It's, like, I can't imagine it being... I can't imagine it being existing for anything other than opening Wet Hot American Summer. It's true. Um, and like it's it's just a movie that uses music really well. Like the day by day sequence always gets me. But Higher and Higher is a jam and I have to give it a big shout out because it stands it's going to stand the test of time, I can already tell.
0: Yeah. This was a great year for uh soundtracks. I maybe should have done like a like a non-orchestral soundtrack award because there's all these ones I didn't get to like um baby boy how high uh so many great ones i mean you could even say like there aren't any original songs on the royal tenenbaum soundtrack but it makes such great yeah. use of music um yeah. we've got new randy newman yeah with, uh,
1: if i didn't have you
0: yeah yeah john john goodman and billy crystal mm-hmm. what more could you want i exactly there were multiple voice performances that I considered for my acting categories I didn't end up putting any in there one of them mm-hmm. was Billy Crystal um, as Michael was asking. I think with this and the other one I'm about to say it was more I just love these kids, ca- they're just such like totemic characters for me the other one is Mark DiCarlo uh, voicing Hugh Neutron in the Jimmy Neutron because uh, <laughs> again Hugh is just like no, few characters have stuck with me more than Hugh Neutron <laughs> true
1: i definitely like i hear mike wazowski's voice in my head sometimes like i'll be doing something and i'll hear just like mike wazowski
0: <laughs> yeah so this is a really stacked category um mm-hmm. the monica song is great i i did put two josie and the pussycats song on here but they are by different bands from josie and the pussycats to be fair yeah. um and you know just just two songs i think about all the time three small words and backdoor lover but you know it's a classic fucking song it's area codes (laughs) ludicrous and date dog yeah that is i all these songs have been stuck in my head in the past like day as i made this list but um area codes is the one that i've like been actively seeking out and listening to a lot because it's so good
1: yeah I hope that if uh this brilliant uh, we haven't gotten to action movies really but Fast and Furious is one that we I I will certainly be talking about.
0: It's and funny I you say Utter that. I think Ludacris Chris
1: would make a great addition to that sound, to that cast.
0: It's funny you say that cuz I I gave the award for Rush Hour 2 cuz that's the soundtrack that the song is from. It is also yeah. in the Fast and the Furious soundtrack.
1: Oh, I didn't even realize that. That's how much of
0: a banger it is.
1: It's been a minute since I've seen the Fast and the Furious. It's 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 got a soundtrack. Oh, like I don't I don't even know what I was going to say about that besides, but it's got a soundtrack, and that's one where we haven't gotten to costume design yet. But I feel like Fast and Furious did a lot Ooh, with yeah. very little, and I adore it. especially Letty's stuff. Like everything Letty wears, I'm like, I want to own that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I haven't I I haven't made a, a costume design award this year, but I I like that pitch i'm getting yes. into that
1: yeah like the costumes in that amazing again wet hot american summer just like capturing the awkwardness of being a teenager on so many pretty much adult bodies those costumes work so hard and it's it, true it works it works fantastically
0: and the, even though they're generic they're kind of iconic too
1: yeah i don't know while we're having a costume breakdown i feel like knight's tale and lord of the rings of course but Night's yeah. Tale. Said, like there are some looks in Night's Tale.
0: Yeah, I, I I think I might not have ended up nominating Night's Tale, but I love that movie. It's so it's a classic. It, it it's really great. Uh, I I I had an action category and then I got rid of it cuz there weren't really five movies that I super wanted to talk about, but Yeah. A Night's Tale and Fast and the Furious were both you know solid ins on that one. And I also yeah. I also had an on-screen couple category that didn't make it and oh. i did have i did have vin and paul in the <laughs> on the list for that of
1: course not since point break have we exactly. had such a couple
0: exactly so speaking of fast and the furious the next category is best score okay the nominees are terence blanchard the caveman's valentine bt the fast and the furious david holmes oceans 11 Mm-hmm. Randy Newman, Monsters, Inc. Mm-hmm. And Jan Tiersen for Amelie.
1: Yeah. The nominee, the nominee, the Oscar nominees for, I was just looking at it, for this category are kind of baffling to me. Well, let's hear him. Like, they're fine, but they're, like, so basic. Which I guess is how mm-hmm. this category always ends up at the Oscars. It's always, like, the same five people. Totally. But the, the Oscar nominees are Howard Shore for Lord of the Rings, John Williams for Artificial Intelligence... James Horner for A Beautiful Mind, John Williams again for Harry Potter, and then mm-hmm. Randy
0: Newman. So it's like that that is a mostly good category.
1: Like But yes. it is
0: if if you were to guess like what five composers got nominated for for Yeah. the the score category you would probably just come up with those names. You'd say uh John Williams again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they were like we can't John Williams gets two
1: nominations in the same year because like if it's literally feels like if John Williams does a movie it has to be nominated. Like totally. it's like in the laws of California.
0: Yeah. And you know, I love AI, but like that that Harry Potter score is you can't really deny it yeah so i definitely think i outdid the oscars on this one a lot of variety here oh yeah yeah. Um, caveman's valentine is a movie i do really want to talk about um a, a a classic like sophomore like sort of blank check movie where it's like your first movie blows up and then you're like okay now we're gonna give you another one for for cassie lemons in this case and it is i i really liked it a lot but it's also this like so bonkers like you know she's getting put in director jail for this um samuel l jackson stars as this uh this this you know homeless person with mental health problems who uh has has this sort of tenuous grip on reality but is also um a former piano virtuoso uh and is is the only witness to a crime Sort of a sort of a proto Under the Silver Lake thing in some ways. He he has this. Um, th- there's this thing where like all of his kind of paranoias are like kind of metaphorically true, and there's there's you know I mean he literally lives in a cave. That's why it's the Caveman's Valentine.
1: <laughs> um, I have never heard of this movie, and
0: it, if you had just told me the title,
1: I never in a million years would have guessed that this is the plot of that movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Andrew Ellis is really good in it too as his daughter. Uh, who is uh who is a cop yeah caveman's valentine is a a great one i feel like i could look back at this and be like i should have nominated it for way more yeah we've already talked about the fast and the furious quite a bit uh that score is really something else um I, i i think it it uses the the like electronic stuff and electric guitar stuff like as part of the orchestral sound i think in a way that really works and obviously that's done with a lot of these like you know dude movies but yeah uh, i i think there's something really iconic about this score and it's and bt also did the driven score and i i, I, I like threw it in there when i was like doing the shortlist and i listened to the fast and furious score and i'm like okay well there's a much better
1: <laughs> soundtrack yeah and it's able to like focus in on like driven. Part of why I love it is because it's like just so overstuffed. But when you mm-hmm. pare it down to something like Fast and Furious, it's like it gives it gives every element so much more room to breathe and like be excellent. It's kinda like the opposite of Triple X, I feel like. Where Triple X or I don't know. I have many feelings about triple X. I don't that would take a whole another minute. I'm gonna not even go there.
0: <laughs> yeah. The I, I as we were talking about the Fast and Furious score, how it is you know kind of doing something different, but in this really iconic way. The Ocean's Eleven score, uh, I think, uses those classic like spy like Pink Panther kind of that that style, and just makes it so slick and so cool.
1: Yeah, it adds the that's in one of those movies where the soundtrack and the score and like all of the musical cues add so much to it. Like, Mm -hmm. spy movies and heist movies, I feel like, are two where, like, the sound needs to be so top-tier. Like, horror, the sound needs to be top-tier, but, like, the music can kind of be, like, whatever. It'll carry it if the sound is good enough. But, like, spy and heist movies, it's, like, every auditory thing coming at me needs to match up and work with what's visually happening. Because that's the only way that it's going to feel tight enough to, like, put me in that feeling of that tight
0: plan. You know? Yeah, yeah. It had that that tension that like you think of the Mission Impossible theme. There's that like duh yeah. before it starts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You need that stress. Yes. And the Monsters Inc score also like doing its own quirky thing, but in a very iconic way. I feel like Monsters Inc has my favorite like aesthetic out of out of any of the Pixar movies. Like it's it's so mm. well defined, and that's the that's the production design. That's the sound design that's the it's everything but randy newman's score even though he obviously does all these pixar movies like yeah he he really like slides into something unique with this one
1: yeah it stands out i feel like some of randy newman's other stuff it kind of becomes like this wash of randy newman but Mm -hmm. like the opening jazz number of monsters inc stands on its own
0: so this is a tough one um Mm -hmm. I feel like I am going to give it to the caveman's valentine. That's sort of my uh, concession for the fact that I probably didn't nominate it for enough other stuff. And also, like Terrence Blanchard, I think infuses jazz into his soundtracks really well. Um, mm-hmm. It's yeah, it has, this, it has the perfect kind of paranoid vibe for what the story is. Yeah. My two
1: that we haven't talked about that I love are... Uh, what's his name? John Powell who did the score for Shrek
2: Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm.
1: The Lord of the Rings. Because, like, both are coming at this, like, fantasy aesthetic and creating these, like, gorgeous orchestral scores to these fantasy films. But Mm -hmm. they both... I don't know. They both do it in different ways and react to their own, like, genre in different ways. And I think they both... I don't know. They both just, like, really get at something. They itch something in my brain when it comes to, like, fantasy settings meets music... And they do it in different ways for the two different films. I don't know. There's something about both of those scores that truly come off, like, magical to me.
0: Yeah, there's something There's something really interesting there with, like, I feel like they're going for the same kind of, like, you know, old school high fantasy effect. They're going for, like, this sweeping beauty. But there, there's a more subtle difference where, like, Lord of the Rings makes it feel so epic and 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 grandiose and shrek makes it feel like compressed and like a parody of itself
1: yeah and like the the like love theme or maybe it's not the love theme but like that the main theme of shrek i love it's just like it's like a flute or something and it's just this like little balance of notes that's so easy to weave into so many different like songs within the, the whole piece that's true and i love it because like james horner does the same thing in lord of the rings but he does it like 50 million times so it's like here's the hobbit theme and i can work it in anywhere and it's gonna like hit differently depending on where i work it in here's the you know elf theme or whatever here's Aragorn's theme Mm -hmm. but shrek just like simplifies it to the point of like just being this perfect little thing and also this cover of hallelujah and another actually just brilliant soundtrack the soundtrack to shrek kicks ass (laughs)
0: yeah yeah i think it um incorporates a lot of like existing songs and new songs in a really fun way there's there's such a i mean it's got like eels on it like there's so many crazy bands on there uh it i i mean i find it interesting that they license all-star which which is obviously from mystery men um and they also have smash mouth do the i'm a believer cover yeah So so there's, like, this this balance of, like, we're... Smash Mouth... We're not just licensing a Smash Mouth song. We're infusing Smash Mouth into the essence of the film.
1: Yeah. Smash Mouth is integral to Shrek.
0: Yes. Speaking of, best animated feature. um, Absolutely. This is where, again, some of those international films, like uh, Spirited Away and um, Millennium Actress, there's just no way... in in the context of the lore we could have seen those movies yet so we wish them well um best animated feature my nominees are atlantis the lost empire jimmy neutron boy genius monsters inc shrek and waking life
1: all excellent
0: yeah yeah i feel like man monsters inc is really good with 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 those pixar movies with that that uh echelon of pixar movies it's like you know i'll dismiss one and then at a certain point i'll be like is that one actually my favorite (laughs) yeah that's how i've always
1: felt about uh one that hasn't been released yet but uh the cars that's how i feel about cars where i feel like i go back and forth between being like it's the weakest and being like Mm -hmm. actually it's my favorite ever Uh, yeah it was certainly one of my favorites as a kid and I don't know that it's aged as well as... I think that's it. I don't know that Cars is aged as well, but, like, as a kid, it was the movie for me.
0: Yeah, I feel like I've... I've. It's happened to me with all the big ones where it's like, you know, I'll be sleeping on Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo will be, like, low on my list. And then I'll watch it and I'll be like, that was so good. <laughs> like, how can <could> that not <laughs> be the best one? Yeah. And I'm I'm sure I'll get I'm getting that way about Monsters, Inc. here. Um, oh. I, eventually atlantis the lost empire again just that great visual style i don't think it's an excellent movie but yeah. it's so beautifully animated uh and just it's just such a great style
1: lots of uh characters they're kind of brilliant on their own but i don't necessarily know that they're all utilized to the ability that they could have been it's almost yeah. like they they packed in too many great characters to be able to fit them all into the movie
0: yeah you kind of feel the studio notes on that on that one you 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 sort of see how the scenes are progressing and you're like yeah this is a disney movie yeah waking life great use of rotoscope uh which i think disqualified it from the oscars which is bullshit because no one (laughs) uses rotoscope to cut corners they 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 do it on purpose
1: (laughs) it also Um, takes forever still
0: yeah yeah um, waking Life, just you know, it has this premise of all these little scenes where people are having these philosophical conversations, and I think the the, the rotoscope style um, has this sort of jittery, dreamlike thing about it. Sort of, sort of like, sort of like AI stuff. Or as the early AI stuff had, like, it's it has a great visual style. Love Richard Linklater. Obviously, we'll get to his other movie from this year soon. Um, I think it's hard to deny Shrek. Yeah, I think. He, you probably got to give this to Shrek. But I will say, if Shrek was not here, you know Jimmy Neutron is really good.
1: (laughs) I did not know until this moment that Jimmy Neutron is an Oscar-nominated film, and that makes me so happy. (laughs) Yeah. so many levels. They didn't give a nomination to Atlantis, for some reason, but they gave one to Jimmy Neutron.
0: Jimmy Neutron is better than
1: Atlantis. (laughs) It's a brilliant
0: film It's so, like, I, you know I I have uh, the, this childhood nostalgia for it And I was like, I'm not gonna I didn't expect it to be as good as it was, basically I watched yeah. it and I was like I had like a dozen out loud laughs Just, wa- just watching it by myself uh, A lot of lines that just sort of take you by surprise And again, it has this really cool, unique visual style And Hugh Neutron is one of the great characters in American <laughs> fiction
1: Yeah this was also the year that we got Scooby Doo Cyber Chase, which is Ooh. a favorite Scooby Doo of mine. It's the one where they go into a video game. Um, yeah, and it it's really interesting. It's been about a bajillion years since I've seen it, but it's almost like it's like Scooby Doo's response to The Matrix, mm. and it's fascinating. In this, like, it starts and I. Th- I can't I can't tell if I'm confusing my Scooby-Doo lore because I also love On Zombie Island which is right. about how they all went off and did their own thing and then got back together um, but I think it starts with them all like being in college or something there's like a weird age jump and mm-hmm. then they get sucked into this video game and it just plays with these really interesting ideas um, especially like for a hand drawn animated thing to be like we're gonna go and like get digital with it but not be digital and it's just like yeah. I don't know it's it's a hoot, and it's one of my favorite Scooby Doo movies.
0: Sure, gonna check that out. Best international picture. The winner was Track, by the way. Best international yes, picture. Of my five nominees are Ginger Snaps from Canada, In the Mood for Love from Hong Kong, Lagan from India, The Others from Spain, Verkmeister Harmonies from Hungary yeah great stuff in here we've already talked about in the mood for love which is just so gorgeous and romantic and all that we talked about the others which is a a a great little ghost movie other than that we have ginger snaps which we talked about you know one of the one of the of it's of the transgender canon for sure yeah the fact that's like the fact that the cure is an injection like there's so much you can go into yeah just just like sets a tone and it starts out in this kind of like like over the top kind of cartoony way and then as things get more supernatural it like builds this really intimate relationship gorgeous mm-hmm. lagan from india uh a four-hour musical sports drama said it's sort of a uh a david and goliath story with this um cricket team and it's it, it's really great uh lagan literally means taxes and i said at one point that uh, that american filmmakers didn't have the courage to make a four-hour musical called taxes and uh, then someone pointed out the musical rent to me and i said okay fair point <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the other one and i think the one i'm giving this to is uh workmeister harmonies uh, I, I honestly haven't seen any of Bellator's other movies, but uh, this is a really great introduction. Um, the the sort of gimmick of it is that, like, it's two and a half hours long and there's, like, 40 shots in it. Like, all the shots are minutes long and, and you know, take up the entire scene. And uh, just a, a gorgeous movie, really well-written, really thought-provoking. I like the way it captures, like revolution and and you know like unease uh by setting up this town and then having the the revolution part um and the whale that's in it is is uh just a great just a great whale just a great practical whale
1: love whales there should be a category for best movie whale ever
0: mm, there'd be
1: some ever. good there'd be some yeah. fights like yeah. i gotta throw in the whale uh what's her name is it bessie from star trek 4 The one that Mm. Spock mind melds with. There's the whale from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. True. Has all the thoughts and dreams. We gotta throw Free Willy in there.
0: Yeah. I think I would probably be the one caping for Piacon from uh, Avatar The Way of Water.
1: Yes, yes. So many good whales. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And of course the uh, the the beach whale from Workmeister Harmonies, which is which is a really good whale, I do have to say. So yeah. that is my winner. That takes us into the screenplay categories. First we have adapted screenplay. The nominees are Bridget Jones's Diary, Richard Curtis, Andrew Davies and Helen Fielding, Ocean's Eleven, Ted Griffin, Josie and the Pussycats, Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan, Shrek, Ted Elliott, Terry Rossier, Roger Shulman, and Joe Stillman, and Ghost World daniel klaus and terry off. yeah some great scripts here uh some there's a really tight category because ghost world i think captures the tone of the comic so well and has this really it, it, it captures that jaded teen like daria kind of vibe in a in a really great way um shrek is is such a great script it's uh you know tight uh sub 90 minutes and and uh, tells this whole story with with you know these great characters and all that Josie and the pussycats brilliant uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not just the songs but it's the um the way that it like balances this cartoony feel with this like this like serious subject matter and does that in a way that doesn't feel preachy at all like it, it it's sort of this brilliant satire i love that there's like a brand in literally every shot in the movie yes bridget jones just a just a great rom com script, just really tight, sharp stuff. But if you want to talk tight and sharp, it doesn't get much tighter or sharper than Ocean's Eleven. Oh, it's just such
1: a good movie, and
0: yeah. it's it's one
1: where the original is really good, but the re- like the remake is so tight that uh-huh. even though like the original is like such a classic Rat Pack, like there's many things to love about it. Like I I just it, I I can't compare them because they're so the Brad Pitt Ocean's Eleven is just so brilliant.
0: Yeah. I, it, it's, a, it's the sort of thing where you watch it and you're like I feel like if I made a computer to tell me what the best movie ever made was it would say this
1: one. <laughs> yes. Yes. And like with a cast ugh.
0: gorgeous cast incredible just but, but and it's just that motion that's really at the core of it and that comes from this, this incredible script.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I also I just uh, Elliot Gould. In that movie, yeah, love him forever. God love, love Elliot Gould forever, and I love him in that movie.
0: Absolutely, I mean, everyone's so great in that. Um yeah. Carl Reiner. I mean, original screenplay, mm-hmm. Training Day, written by David Ayer. Tape written by Stephen Belber. Monsoon Wedding, Sabrina Dawan. Baby Boy, John Singleton, and The Royal Tenenbaums, Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson. Mm-hmm these are uh five really great scripts once again um monsoon wedding this great like you know many characters like wedding like wedding panic kind of it- it's just really a great comedy script um baby boy i love how these weird directions john singleton is taking like they're, 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 it's it's so like bluntly metaphorical and kind of edible. In, in, in like a, I I maybe I'm gonna I'm like short selling. There's another one I'm looking at. and I'm like maybe I didn't nominate this movie enough. Um, <laughs> tape a great just three hander script. Just uh, you know obviously shot on camcorder. That is the other Richard Linklater movie this year, um, and it's it's really great. It's a great script. Um, Royal Tenenbaums. Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson they make quite a pair. And oh. this 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 feels like. A new kind of height for Anderson in terms of his um just just the depth and the level of character that's coming through, um but also obviously this is his most stylized movie yet and and I just think it it strikes at such a perfect balance. I feel like I don't want to count out training day because yeah, that is a really well done script, yeah, it's like the way that it starts and like Denzel is almost this, this like, comic character, like, he's, you know, so over the top, and then, like, it, it progresses in such a sense especially the way that it's set around Ethan Hawke's, like, first day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, the way that it escalates and escalates is so great. I've got two Ethan Hawke movies on here, actually, between that and tape. Um, another MVP this year. I feel like baby boy, I need to watch again before I could be like, this This is really the one that's calling to me. I do feel like there's something there that I ought to watch it again. I am going to give this to Training Day, just here and now.
1: Yeah. Speaking of movies that take place over a day, I would like to call out Wet Hot American Summer again mm-hmm. for being one of the most bonkers, surreal, and yet brilliant comedy scripts. It's just... It, like I, I never know how much of a movie is really like scripted versus improvised. I don't, and I haven't done enough uh, research into Wet Hot American Summer, but it's you know it's made by mostly these newbies. You mm-hmm. know, I'd love to see where this Bradley Cooper character goes. You yeah. know, um, yeah, we'll Amy Poehler. We'll see what happens with her. You know, totally. and but like you know, I love David Hyde Pierce. Glad to see him still getting work, and. Yes. It just it's a movie that no matter how many times I watch it, it surprises me with how just like pointedly brilliantly funny it is. Like mm-hmm. there there are bits where it kind of drags a little, but I like don't care and it almost feels like it adds. The fact that I'm like sitting there being like we like this bit we get, but <laughs> I'm so excited for the next bit I like don't even really care. Like Yeah. Th- nothing my one of my favorite reveals in that movie is still when uh after Bradley Cooper and after the, the two characters get married
0: and then Luckily in black, um, yeah.
1: Thank you, yes. And then their friends come in and are like, This is for you and then they bring in a crate and barrel box they're like, We didn't know if you had a registry <laughs> like, <laughs> It's just like it feels like Monty Python at its best in just these Absolutely. like beats that come out of nowhere. And I love it.
0: Yeah, more on that in a bit. That was very close to close to the list on this one
1: yeah oh also before we move on from screenplay sorry but i feel like lord adapting lord of the rings is Mm -hmm. a epic concept it's something that it's like trying to say i'm gonna adapt the bible (laughs) you know it's incredible the amount that they are able to pull it off like they make a brilliant really compelling movie that works for both fans of the book and fans who've only seen the movies and that's just an impressive feat to me
0: like it's it's a
1: long-ass movie but it's worth it
0: yeah it's almost seamless and it's like it it has like that james cameron level like epic sort of attention to detail and care which is interesting because peter jackson is such a like bonkers director up to this point the fact that he was able to like take this on and make it so accessible and yet so gorgeous at the same time i like the james
1: cameron comparison i never really thought about how much the Lord of the Rings movies feel like something adjacent to a James Cameron movie. Mm -hmm. But that's like a very astute sort of connection. And it's clicking a lot of things in my brain about movies that I love and why I love them.
0: Sure. Best Ensemble. My nominees are Gosford Park, Monsoon Wedding, Ocean's Eleven, The Royal Mm -hmm. Tenenbaums, and Wet Hot American Summer.
1: Uh. (laughs) Ugh. like literally so many movies that i love and i love we haven't talked about gosford park at all yet
0: and i talk about gosford park this is the moment to talk about gosford park
1: i'm such a fool for julian fellows julian fellows could do anything and i'd be like it's brilliant give me four (laughs) more hours of it um like gosford park is it's him testing out ideas for what would in like 15 20 years become one of my favorite tv shows ever made Uh, Mm A.K. Downton Abbey. And it's really funny to watch Gosford Park with that in mind, because it is such just like him prototyping what the pilot for Downton Abbey's gonna be.
0: It's a wild crossroads of like the end of Robert Altman and the beginning of Julian Fellows.
1: Yeah. It's like it has Robert Altman's sort of critique of the genre, but when mixed with Julian Fellows' like love of the aristocracy
2: it like mm-hmm.
1: meshes perfectly to create this like scathing critique at the same time as being this just like genuine love of it. It plays into all of those points so well from those two creatives.
0: That's why the upstairs downstairs thing works so well is because yeah. fellows, fellows loves the upstairs and, and often yeah. likes just, you know, people milling about and, and uh, yeah. what, what what happens in real life. It's
1: also just like, it's a, it's a refreshing take on the period film anyway in that it's like it lets it get dirty and like it it pulls it back from sort of the Kate and Leopold of it all of like this is the height of whatever and like this is what the past was like sort of romanticizing it in you know and Goster Park being like it opens in a rainstorm and they're covered in mud like it 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 pulls in that Robert Altman flavor that just like brings to me like a new dimension to the sort of period drama Genre,
0: yeah. Because I feel like there, there's the Downton Abbey version of this that is like very polished and glossy, and oh. and 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 I, I like that this again has that Robert Altman thing where it just feels like people are kind of milling about the room.
1: Yeah, Robert Altman knows how to make people seem like they just had to like walk two miles to get to a thing. Like you can feel it. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> so like, true my other, fa- my favorite Robert Altman movie is probably McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Mm. And there's just something about the way he uses, like, weather and, like, gray and mud and, like, he just... you feel the wear that the people go through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and to talk just briefly about, like, the... because we're in the ensemble category, the Gosford Park Ensemble mm-hmm. is just 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 really well cast. I love... Ryan Phillippe is such an interesting bit of spice in that, in that yeah. uh, brew... Um uh, of course there's Bob Balaban once again. Um we've got Helen mirren and Maggie Smith just absolutely firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Charles Dance, Richard E. Grant.
0: Like it's yeah. one of those casts where it's like I could just list
1: people off and they're just like greats, <laughs> you know?
0: Um Monsoon Wedding, I think again, just like the you know, that, that, that wedding like setting is such a great place to have all these interlocking stories. Um, yeah, Ocean's Eleven. We've already talked about how perfect that mm. that cast is. Royal Tenenbaums, so great. I think like Ben Stiller does such great stuff in that, and Gwyneth Paltrow, who's uh, who's just just really tuned in in this one. Um, Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson playing these totally different characters. Uh, Danny Glover, like like there's so much to be said about it, and of course Gene Hackman. Um, Wet Hot American Summer, pretty oh. great pretty great cast there it's so
1: many like no-name people just starting out Mm
0: -hmm. with that
1: like smattering of like christopher maloney and david hyde pierce of like people that you know yeah and you can feel the youth yes thank you like you feel the youth in these people you feel how like young and passionate they all are and it works so well to the benefit of the film
0: yeah one Hot american summer is really good but i feel like the it it helps that like the idea of that movie is that they're poorly cast (laughs) yes yes yeah (laughs) and uh yeah looking at all these you've 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 talked me uh into Gosford park a little bit but i also just feel like oceans 11 kind of oh yeah what can you do? I mean, it's it's it's, yeah. it's it's kind of a perfect movie. They got all the coolest guys, and they yeah made the coolest movie. Um, mm-hmm. So we've got breakout director and breakout performer. First in breakout director, I have Tom Green for Freddie Got Fingered, uh, an, an, an almost entry to a lot of these categories. Richard Kelly for Donnie Darko, John Cameron Mitchell for Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Christopher Nolan for Memento and David Wayne for Wet Hot American Summer. Intriguing.
1: I didn't realize all of these were debuts.
0: Yeah. Um, Nolan did a movie before Memento, but it was a little scene, kind of a yeah. like test run thing. And the rest of these, I think, are straight up debuts. Um, Freddy Got Fingered, we haven't talked about yet. I love that movie. Um, it's... <laughs> it, if you're on its wavelength, and I think in the... I, I think, you know, people as 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 the internet becomes more a part of everyday life i think like internet people 10 15 years from now will appreciate will be on that wavelength more than people yeah, in 2000
1: yeah,
0: yeah absolutely absolutely and it has that that anti-humor thing that grows with like adult swim and tim and eric and all that um hedwig is a gorgeous movie very kind of scrappy but also just uh, uh, achieved some really great kind of production in that memento just just so tight and well done sort of that classic like debut you know this guy's mm-hmm. this guy's the real deal um uh, donnie yeah. darko i donnie darko it was not one of my like top top favorites this year but i i'm really looking forward to whatever richard kelly's got got coming up <laughs> yep this is a tough one uh because i love kelly it's hard to deny memento but part of me just feels like Freddie got fingered. Is uh, is is you know is such a called shot <laughs> that I have yeah. to I have to give it to him. And I'm sure Tom Green is going to direct a lot more movies after this.
1: <laughs> of course, can't waste that talent.
0: Yeah, breakout performer. Okay. no oh, no no this is a fun one. Bradley Cooper, okay. Wet Hot American Summer. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Tyrese, Baby Boy. Ryan Gosling, The Believer, Anne Hathaway, The Princess Diaries, mm. and Yolanda Ross, Stranger Inside. These are heavy hitters, you know. It's yeah. it's a it's a broad range. You've got Bradley Cooper, um, who has a pretty small role in Wet Hot American Summer, but I just feel like he comes in like a bat out of hell. Like he is he's oh, really yeah. firing on all cylinders. And this is his first movie ever. Have you ever seen the documentary about the making of Wet Hot American Summer?
1: I have not. It's called tsunami of fun or something Netflix made it when they made the when they first brought wet hot American summer back they put together this documentary about the making of the movie and mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper skipped his college graduation to <laughs> film that movie <laughs> so great and I love that good, yeah. good choice absolutely especially it's him playing against Amy Poehler and the two of them together yeah are like so brilliant
0: yeah, I, I I did almost nominate them as a pair because they're both like they they play off each other so well. They're both so like crazy talented. Um, I Bradley Cooper was like I feel like the logic I had was just like Bradley Cooper was more of a debut because Amy Poehler was on SNL. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean they they're such a great duo. Tyrese for Baby Boy, uh, just, just great movie, great, like, really, really, like, deep performance that's also kind of cartoony in its own way, I expect great things from Tyrese, uh, um, Ryan Gosling in The Believer playing a, uh, Jewish Nazi in this, um, very very intriguing kind of indie movie he really comes out of nowhere in this one too and it's like a, a, another guy obviously a very different role from the one bradley cooper's playing but you could yeah. kind of see them swapping and and both yeah. still still making it work and hathaway uh real star power in the princess diaries just yeah a, a i was a critter. little amazed
1: we'd gotten this far without talking about the princess diaries
0: well yeah i mean here we are to here talk it is. about it, here it is. um a bop. That movie is so it's it's anachronistic in such a weird way because it's it's not just the idea of like the 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 monarchy, but it's also like at her school there's like rocker guys and and <laughs> th- th- there are just a lot of things about it that it's like this is just this is this the present day or not?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's almost like if the if the Breakfast Club was like a um, a uh, uh, high school, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Not to uh, look to the future again, but I love The Second Princess Diaries more than the Mm. first one, which is maybe Mm. a controversial take.
0: Yeah, I don't love love the first one, so maybe I'll love the second
1: one more. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think John Rhys-Davies would make a brilliant villain.
0: Mm. Let's wait and see. And uh, Yolanda Ross, Stranger Inside, I think just this this, uh, real showstopper performance, the whole movie is anchored by her kind of Journey as she's like, um, you know, this this young woman whose mom was in prison her whole life, and she kills someone or beats someone up to get into juvie, so she could eventually be transferred to prison and go see her mom. And then like it's this weird relationship with her mom. This that where like she has her family in prison. That's like her wife and her and 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 her daughters, and it, it, it's all. I mean, it's all anchored by how great Yolanda Ross is in it um mm-hmm. so part of me is tempted to i feel like yolanda ross and ryan gosling are the two that like really had some some meaty stuff to take on i feel like i'm gonna give it to yolanda ross in this moment uh who i'm sure mm-hmm. will have as illustrious as a career as the other people i named yeah <laughs> but yeah great category and there are so many people i almost put on there yeah now we're into the big boy acting categories. We're in the home stretch here. Okay. Okay. Best supporting actress. My nominees are ingenue Ellis, lovely and amazing. Scarlett Johansson, Ghost World. Brittany Murphy, Riding in Cars with Boys. Frances O'Connor, AI. And Gwyneth Paltrow, The Royal Tenenbaums.
1: A solid category.
0: Yeah, it is a pretty tight one. There's a couple movies we haven't talked about yet on here. We did talk a little bit about Ghost World, but I feel like Scarlett Johansson is kind of like, even though she's a supporting character, she's kind of like the icon of the movie. Like like the way that she plays with this like you know depressive teen kind of vibe is so is so uniquely done and her hair the bob is so there, there there's a lot to be said about it um lovely and amazing nicole halaf center just really like th- this this really funny script such a great cast with Catherine keener and brenda blethin and jake gyllenhaal um but ingenue ellis in the supporting role um b- brings like the the racial commentary into this already really interesting commentary on like women's body issues and you know she's she's sort of like the voice of reason as we're watching these uh upper upper class white people yeah that's a great performance we also haven't talked about riding in cars with boys yet that's a really great movie penny marshall um the, like a slighter picture for her but just you know it's penny marshall so it's still like <laughs> a four star uh thing and Brittany murphy is just so in the pocket all the time she's so great uh-huh I already talked about Gwyneth a little. There's the whole incestuous thing with 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 Luke Wilson and and you know her relationship with Bill Murray. And I, I, I think she, out of all the kids, like Ben Stiller's really great, Luke Wilson's really great, but I feel like she, as Margot, is this really like juicy character. And and Frances O'Connor and AI is really good too. This is a tough um a tough category here. I feel like in this moment I would say Brittany Murphy, but like any of these could get this one
1: yeah I feel like it was a great year for the like great like dames of acting mm. that we have like both uh, Helen Mirren and Maggie Smith got an Oscar nom for Gosford Park True. and we also of course have Julie Andrews yeah. killing the game yeah like Princess Diaries works for a lot of reasons but that is like i guess they could have cast like if it had been maggie smith as the queen in princess diaries like it would have been a different movie and it would have still succeeded but there's something about the julie andrews really specifically brings to that role and maybe that's like the mary poppins of it all yeah but it's certainly like a perfect casting for what that movie ends up being
0: yeah yeah it, it's a great balance between like someone of esteem and of, of the, the, with this poshness about them but not like mm-hmm. y- you know because cause, cause Helen Mirren and Maggie Smith both have this sort of matronly kind of uh, thing about them and Julie Andrews obviously has the ability to, to do that but like she adds, adds just like a little spunk to the character in, <laughs> in, in a yeah. way that's, that's needed um, yeah great year for the uh, the old dames mm-hmm supporting actor this is a fun one and a tough one to narrow down but my five nominees are steve buscemi for ghost world james gandolfini for the man who wasn't there and the mexican yes chris kattan for monkey bone jude law for ai and patrick swayze for donnie darko
1: what what a group where's the movie where they all get to play together
0: Yeah, Buscemi, Buscemi, Gandolfini, Catan, Law, and Swayze is an incredible vibe. (laughs) Like, that would be amazing. It it would, it would. Yeah, this is just a really interesting category. I guess the, the movie we have least talked about so far is The Mexican. Which is just a fun, fun Gore Verbinski action movie. Uh, you know, Brad Pitt is good in it, but I feel like James Gandolfini in the man who wasn't there in the Mexican. He's really like not deviating so far from Tony Soprano, like the thing that we know him for, but oh. just adding so much flavor to both of these movies, and and, and you know, really taking them over the line. Uh, Chris Catan has a brief role in Monkey Bone, but he plays the um the 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 sort of the corpse that uh brendan fraser's soul jumps into when he's like trying to get back into his own body and so yeah. like <laughs> chris katan just like i i like this movie a lot there are people who say that it like you know dips in the middle and starts to get get dull but then chris katan just comes in and and <sighs> ratchets it all the way up yeah Jude Law's as Gigolo Joe in AI is so um, iconic and, and, and just great uh, Steve Buscemi in Ghost World plays like pathetic and lovable but even though <laughs> you don't love what he's doing like like he, he really brings it all together and has this great dynamic with Thora Birch where you sort of buy that he would like be- befriend a teenage girl by rid of like well I guess this is happening now <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah.
0: And if you want to talk about brief performances, you've got Patrick Swayze and Donnie Darko, which is basically one scene, but uh, playing this uh, this motivational speaker. This is with the with the southern accent, and the and he turns out to be a pedophile. I just think he comes in and just is 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 so into this character, who is really like quite different. I feel like from from the Patrick Swayze image uh and, and he just crushes it in this in this one scene and it's sort of a thermostat performance in that movie
1: yeah i was trying to think of like what other like side performances really impressed me and i feel like it, i just end up coming back to the ensembles of lord of the rings and without american summer mm-hmm. specifically i'm thinking of john reese davies as gimley mm. because I legitimately thought he was a shorter man. I did not know that he was 6'5 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, And that's part of it's the practical effects. But also, he like acts short, and I don't know how he does it. But it's he does true. it really really well, and it kind of blows my mind that he pulled it off.
0: Yeah, that is really interesting. I came very close to putting McKellen and Andy Sergis in here. Oh, yeah. But, um... Yeah. The, I, I, the whole supporting cast is great in that movie.
1: Yeah, and like I don't know the I feel like Paul Rudd is, as is plays one of my favorite apathetic teens mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, like really a, a a defining image of what apathetic teen looks like. is yeah. Paul Rudd in Wet Hot American
0: Summer. It's it's very true. That that is a great. <laughs> I just started remembering things about his character. That, 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 that... <laughs> what a movie oh my god what a movie this is a tough one for me i i i'm doing all these off the cuff and it's like patrick swayze again he is only in one scene but there is something that feels kind of right about giving it to him um yeah but buscemi is a really iconic performance katan and monkey bone is so funny um but fuck it it's my list i'm giving it to patrick swayze
1: hell yeah i love
0: that oh it's a good thing to do my five nominees for lead actress are Drew Barrymore, Riding in Cars with Boys, Yolanda Ross, Stranger Inside, Naomi Watts, Mulholland Drive, Reese Witherspoon, Legally Blonde, and Renee Zellweger, Bridget Jones's Diary. I concur. Really, really strong, really strong five performances here. I mean, we haven't talked about Legally Blonde yet, but reese in that role is like one of the more iconic just like actor in role the <laughs> just just performances in 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 history
1: yeah it's like one of for some reason the thing that my brain connects it to is jeffrey combs as herbert west
0: it's mm. just
1: like impossible to imagine the character played by anyone else even though other people have done it you know
0: yeah and drew Barrymore is incredible and riding with cars with boys brings riding in cars with boys brings sorry <laughs> and drew running Barrymore with the cars with boys <laughs> I was running in the cars with the boys um drew Barrymore riding in cars with boys a, a, a really potent kind of drama about this just the course of her life and she has to really carry the whole thing and does it so well um oh. Naomi Watts in Mulholland Drive we haven't really talked about yet again Mulholland Drive is not my favorite but um she's another breakout who just like 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 that was a moment of like oh she's instantly an A-list star yeah and uh it's between Reese and Drew for me but I could just give it to Yolanda or else couldn't I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Reese because it's just such an iconic performance and I love Reese Witherspoon so much
1: I'm always down to give some love to Reese Witherspoon. Or, mm-hmm. really, or Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore is... When it comes to, like, child actors, I guess, or, like, nepotism babies or whatever, Drew Barrymore is one of my favorites.
0: She's way up there. Yeah, and she's, she's so good in this movie. But anyway. Lead actor. That's the juicy one. Yeah. You've got Jake Gyllenhaal for Bubble Boy and Donnie Darko. Mm
1: a real just a big hit right from the gate
0: yeah i mean and he was and he was great and lovely and amazing too he's like a he's like an anime boy in that um yeah he really a, a, another like of these bradley cooper ryan galson guys who had been in a couple movies before this but really just like came in swinging and it was like what is yeah. this guy's deal <laughs> 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 so it's jay hall bubba boy and donnie darko gene hackman the royal tenenbaums Haley Joel Osment AI Will Smith Ali Denzel Washington training day Mhm tricky 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 Yeah
1: I I don't know I also feel like Brad Pitt in Ocean's 11 is yeah. like he's is he playing a version of himself maybe but he plays it like there's a naturalism he brings to the role <laughs> that I love it's like infectious and ties a lot of that movie together. Because like totally. George Clooney's doing a great job and like does his thing, but I feel like Brad Pitt is the true star, in mm. my humble opinion.
0: I feel that. I feel that. Um Jake Gyllenhaal we already talked about, but he does just bring such a unique energy to both these roles, doing like playing versions of the same like stunted teen kind of character, but going like uh-huh. all the way serious and all the way funny with it. Um, and and managing he has the to range. managing to put such great vibes into both, he he really does have the range. Hackman in the Royal Tenenbaums is so great, one of the great uh, Wes Anderson movie performances. Just um, he 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 works slimy into like uh you know buttoned up like polite Wes Anderson character in in such a great <laughs> way. Um, Haley Joel Osment in AI, I think, is just some of the best child acting in him. Arguably the best child performance in a movie ever <laughs> like it's insane <laughs> there, What you there's saying?
1: another insane fun like all-time category just talking about child performances ever yeah. there's a lot of them but there's yeah. so many that i feel like stand out as being either like alien levels of not human and like mm-hmm. brilliant you know mm-hmm yeah,
0: that would be a great one to look into, because there are some real standouts.
1: Like, I always think of uh, John Connor from mm-hmm. T2, but then I also always think of Anakin in The Phantom Menace, so...
0: Yeah. <laughs> range. There's a, real, there's a real range to it, absolutely. Um, Will Smith and Ali, uh, you know, Love he's Will doing Smith. the voice. He's... he's. It, there's, there's a little bit of cartooniness to, like, his presence in that movie, but, like, he 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 manages to do a great performance with the handicap of doing a really cartoony Muhammad Ali impression um, yeah. and, and I did, it, it's just a, a really great movie that he's just right at the center of and totally nailing and Denzel in Training Day is uh, so iconic so so great again able to like be so over the top from the beginning and then like get progressively serious in such a subtle way Mm-hmm. so this one i don't know i feel like it's between denzel and Haley joel osmond for me i i know denzel will will have his day uh-huh. and i think he's yeah. it's such an iconic thing in that but again to me Haley joel osmond in ai is the best performance by a child <laughs> in any movie It's 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 such a it's such a great balance of like you know being a robot uh, having real emotions playing into like the, the like Kubrick mixed with Spielberg like emotional quadrant yeah. that that movie has that's so hard to yeah. like, manage and he just he's perfect for it
1: that's a brilliant way to explain that movie
0: mm-hmm.
1: I before we get into who you're picking or no you did just pick oh my god my brain I
0: picked broke. Haley Joel Osmond. but go on you did
1: just pick Haley um, before we move on is what I meant to say I want to give a shout out to two of my favorite action stars who played in movies where they played dual roles of themselves and then either a clone or an evil twin mm. um, and this is the one starring Jet Li and Jet Li and Replicant starring Jean-Claude Valjean and Jean-Claude Valjean uh, not Valjean, Jean, oh my god where is my <laughs>
0: <friend>? <laughs> we're going through it now
1: Oh my god, it's been a long day. I've also had, like, four jobs today. Mm. Jean-Claude, my man. Both movies are some of my... Like, if we were doing favorite action movies of the year, it would get down to these two for me. Because they're both playing with that sort of... They're playing with the idea of having dual selves. And the one is all about, like, alternate realities and about how, like the one evil jetly is trying to kill all the other Jet Lys so he can, like, become the most powerful jetly in the multiverse, mm-hmm. um, which is really fun. And then Replicant is Jean-Claude plays this serial arsonist, and in order to catch him, the cops and the scientists grow a clone of him in a lab and then use <laughs> the clone to, like, unlock the arsonist's memories. They, like—so they basically are sending, like, a baby— into the world to be like remember things so we can catch the bad guy and they're both really interesting and really fun and i think the replicant could have been genuinely like a brilliant brilliant movie if it had been solely from the point of view of the clone and it was like about because it ends up being sort of about like this literal like baby learning about the world but it just so happens to be played by like a kick-ass action star and i think it would have been really really cool to like see the entire thing from that point of view instead of having the sort of like lead up but they're both brilliant and both actors do a really fun job anytime an actor is playing like multiple roles in a movie i don't know i appreciate when they do it well cuz it can be done poorly and it's always going to be a little goofy anyway but like jean-claude's done it a bajillion times and he never fails like mm-hmm. the number of times in which jean-claude plays two versions of himself or like plays dual roles in movies is kind of absurd. I've never found another actor that did it as often as he did. And I think Mm -hmm. Replicant, it's no time cop but it is one of, definitely one of my favorite, well, actually I forgot about Double Impact. Have you ever seen Double Impact?
0: I haven't.
1: It's the one where he plays identical twins separated at birth.
0: Mm -hmm. It's his parent trap
1: movie and it is, and one of them becomes a career criminal in Hong Kong and one of them becomes like a fitness instructor in LA and it's amazing cannot recommend double impact enough it's also fun to do i like to do it as a double feature i call it my jean claude double double feature with double impact and then double team so you get two different jean claude movies with double in the title yeah that was that was my edition of two two movies that i loved this year that include very fun solid performances by like really solid long-standing action guys like continuing to get the job done even though they've been in the game for, like, 20
0: years at this point. Mm-hmm. Best Director. Okay. Heavy Hitters Only. The nominees are... Yes. Wes Anderson, The Royal Tenenbaums. Joel Cohen, The Man Who Wasn't There. Michael Mann, Ali. Steven Soderbergh, Ocean's Eleven. And Steven Spielberg, AI. Heavy Hitters Only. Exactly. It's kind of like mean, the
1: score category, where it's like yeah john williams
0: again (laughs) yeah what am i gonna do not give it to fucking not throw spielberg yeah yeah Yeah. um royal tenenbaums is probably my favorite wes anderson movie um Mm -hmm. the man who wasn't there is great and i think underrated but not one of my absolute favorite coen brothers movies just a really Mm -hmm. good one ali is great ali is really underrated too um but not without flaw, you know. When you talk about movies that are without flaw, I mean, Ocean's Eleven, that's, yeah. that's Soderbergh just... And Soderbergh has so many phenomenal movies, and so many movies. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. like, the he, he has, like, multiple lightning in a bottle kind of things, but I feel like Ocean's Eleven, more than anything else, is like, he really had it. He's really firing right yeah. there. And um, Spielberg, AI, you know, what can you say? <laughs>
1: He's it's, just really damn good at what he does.
0: No one's doing it like him.
1: I, I recently watched uh, Vision from the Future, aka War of the Worlds movie that Steven Spielberg did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a movie that I loved as a child. And rewatching it as an adult who hadn't seen it in like a decade, it absolutely baffled me how terrifying that movie is and how effective it is as a horror movie. And it um, just continues. Like, Spielberg is, in my mind, the genius of PG thirteen horror. Between Mm -hmm. Jaws, Temple of Doom, um, AI to an extent, War of the Worlds, like, he gets at this like he knows how to scare a kid, but still Mm -hmm. have it be like a brilliant, fun movie that's gonna like live with you forever. And I don't I don't know, there's some special talent to how he does it that just makes these like forever lasting like there's a reason why his movies stick around.
0: You know? You know, he he just knows what he's doing, and he yeah is not the f- flashiest director. Is not the one who like is like look at all this style I have. Like I mean, Wes Anderson we have right here is an example of that. But uh-huh. he just delivers <laughs> yeah. All, yeah like like with very rare exceptions. Um, and AI is is up there for me in his in his filmography.
1: It's almost like it's interesting to think of it sort of in comparison to a James Cameron. Who's made fewer movies, but like almost never misses and puts mm-hmm. so much thought and like detail into every single movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it just makes it even more impressive that Spielberg's able to pull it off as often as he does. Yeah. Like, he doesn't do the same thing Cameron does, but he does his own thing very well and much more often. Yeah. I guess he has less other hobbies. He's not like visiting the Titanic or the Mariana Trench or whatever for fun, True. too, but. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I feel like I'm. I'm not sure about this one. It's it's Anderson yeah. and Soderbergh and Spielberg, you know, and Oceans Eleven. I feel like I've I've already given a couple to, <laughs> but it's 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 perfectly directed. There's nothing to complain about there. Um, in this moment, I'm going to give it to Wes Anderson because I don't I don't think I gave anything else to Royal Tenenbaums, and that is such an Amazing, amazing movie, and he creates that world so thoroughly that, like, years in the future, it's still the it's it's still like the defining Wes Anderson thing. I mean, you see the that that uh, SNL Wes Anderson horror movie sketch where it's like twins track suits and tracksuits and it, like like all these things that come from Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, that brings us into Best Picture. Okay. Um I have five nominees. I thought about having ten nominees, and then I was like, you know, I could easily pick ten favorites, but there are really five movies on here that are like I would, without reservation, put them on my all-time favorites. Yeah. AI, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Josie and the Pussycats, Ocean's Eleven, and The Royal Tenenbaums. Solid. Yeah.
1: I like just in terms of movies that I've seen from this year. Bridget Jones' Diary is the one. I think it's, for me, it's like Bridget Jones' Diary, Wet Hot American Summer, probably Shrek and Ocean's Eleven Mm
2: -hmm. are the
1: ones where it's like, this is one of my favorite movies ever made. I've seen it a thousand times. I'll continue to watch it a thousand times. It never loses its magic for me. No matter. There's just, there's, they're all movies that feel so perfectly realized that. They just they never lose anything with time.
0: Yeah, I feel like I, I mean Shrek and Wet Hot would have definitely made my ten. Um, uh-huh. And I feel like going into this, they were the two movies from that year. Like go, going into the project of watching all the two thousand one movies, it was like I feel like I, I I went in with the idea that Shrek and and Ocean's Eleven and or, or that Shrek and Wet Hot American Summer would were like the top tier for me probably at the beginning, and now. Uh-huh. I I I have this I mean I have the, these five movies are really like the, the upper yeah. notch here um, Royal Tenenbaums we've talked about a lot so well realized such a great drama in such a unique world Ocean's Eleven perfect movie Josie and the Pussycats brilliant satire great production great songs incredible songs um, phenomenal cast Alan Cumming between this and uh, Spy Kids had a really had a really yeah. fun year yeah I, spy kids is
1: definitely in terms of movies that i feel like influenced the subsequent years i feel like spy kids is up there with like shrek in terms of just like totally changing the game and i guess yeah. that's specifically in like sort of a children's entertainment way but spy kids is doing stuff that i think we're still trying to figure out how to do yeah,
0: I, Spy Kids is is another one that's like if this was a ten, you know, you'd do that on there. Um, yeah, really, really top to bottom, great movie. Hedwig is such a such a phenomenal like again kind of come Obviously, it was a musical. We we know John Cameron, Cameron Mitchell from the musical, but I feel like the the way it comes together. It, it it is so emotional and again has this grimy kind of uh indie feel to it definitely but is able to like build such a world of its own you know a landmark movie of course um mm-hmm. i feel like if i'm looking at these right now again any of these i i could call one of my favorite movies but the one that gave me the strongest response is ai solid I, the, these are all movies that I like came out of and I was like, that's one of the best movies I've ever seen, but like, AI yeah. is uh, has such a perfect ending, and is such a, it's such a like, symphony you know, I feel like that of all, there, there are some other Spielberg movies that are like these very tight, delicate dances, you're like, how is he doing this? But I feel like AI, <laughs> yeah. more than any of them, it just like, creates this very unique sort of like creepy like philip k dick story world um that's also like really sentimental and then it just like it has this crazy tone that doesn't make any sense and that it stays there the whole time it doesn't it doesn't lose its footing and uh yeah beautiful beautiful movie
1: solid choice i i don't know of the ones that i said and of the ones i'm looking at i kind of want to give it to bridget jones sure just there's something about Bridget Jones that just never fails to impress me no matter how many times I watch it and it really stands apart like I am a huge rom-com fan and I've recently been going back and watching a lot of the classics that I'd never seen like I'd never seen Notting Hill and so I watched that for the first time Mm -hmm. and it's like a genre that when when a rom-com really manages to surprise me on the level that Bridget Jones did I I just can't help but like applaud it because it's it's a trope it's a it's a series it's a genre where it often feels like you run out of ideas and even though like they keep making brilliant ones and like it continues to be a genre that is alive and well to an extent i don't know bridget jones is just like it, it's an incredible movie to me i'm giving it to bridge jones
0: great yeah, I feel like um, I feel like we. I, I was able to work a lot of the movies that I that I love from this year in here. Again, there's some, like, Baby Boy and mm-hmm. Caveman Valentine that I'm like, on another day, those could have done a lot better. Um, yeah. w- one that's on my mind that I didn't put on here, too, actually, Pootie Tank is really funny. But um, the one I'm thinking of is O, oh, the uh, teen drama adaptation of Othello, directed by Tim Blake Nelson. Oh, yeah. I've never seen that. I watched it and I was not expecting that much out of it, and I was like it's a, it's what you think it is. It's a it's a teen drama adaptation of Othello. It's pretty like by the book, but it's mm. I, I feel like it reads Shakespearean emotions onto modern day high school students better than the, you know, dozen other movies that have tried that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Huh. So, and Mackay Pfeiffer's this is really good on in my it. Watch list. In the very beginning of Oh like there there there's like a there there's like an intro that's you, you know, with like animations or whatever, and then the first like reveal of the movie is like it's the basketball team playing and it's the big game, and then you sort of slowly realize that their coach is Martin Sheen. And <laughs> I love that. Like it it's it's a movie with a lot to like, but I feel like nothing. Top's in my mind. The reveal, like two minutes in, that Martin Sheen is their basketball coach.
1: <laughs> That's kind of incredible.
0: Yeah, the,
1: yeah. This is this is going on my watch list for many reasons, and not just the cast.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think I am trying to think of if there was any movies that I didn't talk about that I love, and I think we talked about almost every movie I've seen from two thousand one. The only one that I feel like didn't come up was Winning London. Which is my favorite mary kate and ashley olsen movie mm. um it's one that i haven't rewatched since probably 2007 but it's one that i watched so often as a child that even though i don't really remember anything about it besides it's like mary kate and ashley as teens in london mm-hmm. it's like i gotta i gotta give it a shout out just because it's it's one that it's it's one of those movies where even though i don't remember
0: anything about
1: it i love it desperately
0: (laughs) i love to hear that sort of thing um Mm -hmm. good year for films uh a lot a lot of really really great ones this year i mean again so many that like came close to all these nominations and then didn't get in but um Mm -hmm. thanks again for for joining me for the pulpy awards Anytime. And, and and to those who've been listening thank you for joining us um if you like the show you can uh share it with your friends let people know you like it and you can um find it on napster and do whatever they did on napster yep
1: yeah burn a copy burn a cd
0: yeah share it with make make 10 copies and send them out to all your yeah. <laughs> to all your, all your friends in the mail
1: <laughs> yep
2: <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, next time we'll be talking about um, 9-11. That's what it was. It was the 11th.
1: There we go. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah, thanks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We'll also continue to talk about Eminem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) In his heyday. We sure will. Maybe will Smith release a new album, maybe.
0: Hey. Hey, these are all things to keep in mind, actually. Yeah. 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 Good one. And that'll be how I end the episode. I
2: disagree.
0: Very good game, but I think Donkey Kong is the best game ever.